Well, greetings and good morning to each one this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm often amazed. You'd think after 27 years of having children's lesson, we'd finally said it all as far as illustrations and object lessons, but signs? Signs. That was a good one. And I think we might have had it before on signs. I don't know, but... I'm blessed. You know, life is an object lesson, isn't it, in so many ways. So I was, I was very thankful for that good word and even the opening meditation. My heart is stirred, and I'm sure you understand why as we finish with the message here this morning. I was thinking of Jesus, how he, I believe, probably passionately instructed his disciples before he ascended up into heaven. For, for three and a half years, he had walked with them publicly, instructing them, and sometimes, as you might remember reading, they seemed not to catch on very fast, as to what their work was all about. They were wrangling about many things but uh, along the way, but, but in John 21, and this is, not part, this is not my text at all, but I couldn't help but think about this this morning in light of everything that's happening here this morning, as he, I believe, passionately, passionately looked at Peter and said, Peter... He said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, sorry, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And you know, he did that three times, not always using the same words, but but Jesus was very concerned about his people being fed. Amen? Feed my lambs. We're all lambs here this morning, or sheep, one or the other. Have you been fed? Does Jesus speak to you this morning? He wants to. Has he been speaking to your soul, Peter? Others, young ladies, Jesus been feeding your soul this morning. He told Simon Peter as a, as a leader, feed, give food to my sheep. We're his sheep this morning. And, and I'd just like to emphasize that this morning. I believe Jesus is here feeding the little lambs the sheep, whatever category you find yourself in. You have an appetite? Are you pushing up to the trough? You know, sometimes animals, when they get sick, they kind of drag back. Dad says, "Uh uh-oh, 
There's one that needs help. We need to catch him and put him in the head gate and give him a shot. Are you pressing in? Are you listening up? Jesus feeding your soul this morning? He's here. He's wanting, he, he's, I think food is being served out. You know, that's why we come to church after all, isn't it? To get fed, to get encouraged, to get strengthened, to get, to get our focus back again, to hear from the Lord. And you know that, that old serpent, he'll do everything he can to keep that from happening. We heard about that this morning. He'll bring every distraction he can out of his toolbox. Hold that in front of your eyes. Maybe he'll make someone go to the bathroom when they really shouldn't. Because it could distract someone from at the right time from hearing what they needed to hear. And on and on the list could go. Not wanting to give the devil more credit than we should, but you know, we're not we're not playing games this morning, are we, when it comes to eternal life and our souls and all of that. We're gathered here this morning in the name of Jesus to hear from the Lord, to hear from God, which I believe we already heard from the Lord very much. <clears throat> Just kind of referring back to Daryl's message, talking about wedges and the devil watering down the truth. One of the areas that he's, he's done really much of in marriage is he's attacked at the... the uh, well, what's the proper word? <clears throat> Can't think of the proper word, but the, per- the permanency. He's attacked at the permanency of marriage. And we, our children, are growing up just normal news to hear yet another person divorced and on top of that gets remarried to someone else in the church that's the work of the devil and it's a tremendous wedge and it's 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 a it's a wide open gaping hole it's not just a crack anymore brother darrell in the in the fundamental teaching of marriage that marriage is for life forever one of the uh one of the uh, purposes for marriage, think about this with me. One of the purposes for marriage, one of the reasons that uh, God at least used marriage, maybe I should say it this way, God used marriage, a man and a woman, to illustrate perhaps in the near future us being forever with the Lord. There's no divorce there in heaven. 
we will be ever with the Lord. And Paul said in Ephesians 5 that, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. No, sorry, I, I, I missed the verse that I wanted. After he says, a, father, a man shall leave his father and mother and they shall be joined and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Then he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And if we lose our fear of God and, 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 and the importance of the permanency of marriage, what does that do to the gospel message? It at least works confusion. You know, I don't know the percentages anymore, but of children that grow up with a single parent or a step parent, it's it's unfathomable. Anyway, that brings me to the title of my message this morning, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I have quite a bit of marriage stuff that I'm going to talk about this morning. And, and uh, so I think the Lord wanted Daryl to press in with that opening. So let's kneel together, if we can, at this time for prayer. <coughs> Oh God, we, we have gathered here this morning as we usually do, Lord, on a Sunday morning. Lord, we kneel before our God. We need you, Lord. We need you to take your word and make it, make it bright and re, reveal it to our, our hearts, Lord, and illuminate it to our minds and help us to catch the seriousness of it, Lord, and be fed, Lord, I, I want to be just a, just a hired man this morning for you to feed the sheep, to feed the lambs, to speak the truth in love. Oh, God, on this important truth as we, as we think about the bridegroom of heaven coming back to the earth to receive his bride that has made herself ready. And, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There won't be divorce there. Oh God. But it's so much of it here. And perhaps it mars the beauty. Of what is to come. Lord help us to strengthen the things that remain this morning. And, and to sharpen our spiritual senses against these things. And to resist Satan when he comes. And and. And, uh, and, and, and reject certain thoughts that want to take lodging in our minds and, and refuse to go places and to do things that aren't right. Because the Lord is coming for a bride that has made herself ready without spot and, 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 and without wrinkle, pure white clothing on. Oh, God. Continue to bless us this morning, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I was listening to a message yesterday, and this preacher was saying that he was talking about men rising up and being men, being strong, uh, not shirking their responsibility and coming home from work all tired and, and wanting to be served and all that kind of thing. And so he was illustrating or just saying the, the things that he goes through sometimes coming home from work, having this mindset as he pulls up to his house, inside those doors is my wife and three children and they probably have had a hard day and they need encouragement and I need to strengthen myself to go in there and be the man that I need to be. And so he sits there sometimes when he's had a really hard day, a really bad day, and he's like praying, Lord, just give me a verse, give me something. And he's praying, and no, not that verse. That won't do. i got to reject that one because he could use that one to his advantage, you know. And he sits there praying longer, and no, not that verse. So he rejects that one, and finally a verse comes to him. Yes, this is a verse that I need. And he strengthens himself and he goes in there and he, and he does what he normally does. Takes his children on his lap and ministers to their hearts and makes sure their hearts are all okay, he said. Finally, he goes to his wife and makes sure her heart's all okay. Picks them all up, encourages them all. To be the man that we should be. Oh, may we be that, those kind of men. Well, the title of my message this morning is, and, show, and So Shall We Ever Be With the Lord. And you can turn in your Bibles to First Thessalonians for our text this morning. We'll probably not spend a lot of time here, but this is where I get this phrase from. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll read 16... 17 and 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Daryl talked about nourishing and cherishing our relationship. And I'd like to, my heart for giving this message is at least to comfort you and to strengthen you kind of along the same lines this morning. I don't know what thoughts go through your mind when you think of the Lord's return. If they're comforting thoughts, but in, in, in light of what God uses marriage here as a type of, of the heavenly marriage, we should have the anticipation of a bride waiting for her groom. 
You know the history of Jewish weddings. We don't do it like they used to do it anymore, but they used to, they had the betrothal. And so there was a period of time, upwards to 12 months sometimes, before the bridegroom would come back. After being betrothed, she waited for almost a year with great anticipation for her groom to return and, and have the, the final wedding feast and to go with her love, the love of her life, for the rest of her life. You know, we make a big deal out of weddings, and you know, we look up to that wedding day, and there's lots of anticipation for the wedding day, but really, is it the wedding day that the bride is looking forward to, or is it the life thereafter? You know, if she'd go home with everyone else on the wedding day, she'd be sadly disappointed. It, it would be bad. Yes, the wedding day is kind of like the door, if you will, into the life, right? I mean, I get to be with the one I love. I remember courting my wife, and as after our, especially after our engagement and right up close to the wedding day, it got harder and harder to say goodbye. Remember that? And you counted the days when you didn't have to say goodbye anymore. You could stay there. And then on top of that, I don't remember how long it was till we had to spend our first time apart, like the first night apart or whatever. But I've heard of couples boast for a year or two or more before they ever spent time apart. Shouldn't, shouldn't it be that way when we think about the Lord? The Lord's return? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Forever with the one that we love. We are to comfort one another this morning with that thought. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul said, I'm a, I'm, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better. Is that right? Did I say it right? Did I say it right, Larry? How should it be said? You know, I left one word out, a little word. You know what it is? I thought you were shaking your head no, and I don't. Blame you for not remembering the word, but it's, he said, which is far better, far better. He said, I would like to go to be with the Lord, which is far better than staying here. You know, whatever comes over a young girl that was raised in a Christian home, had all her needs met, you know, her family likes her, 
She has good relationships with her siblings. Whatever has come over her that she can walk away from all of that and go join a man that she might only know for a, a two years. Whatever has come over her. She loves this guy. That's what has come over her, right? That's what has come over her. She loves this guy. And she is willing to walk away from all that security to a young guy that I hope he'll take good care of her. <laughs> we usually have some confidence and, and uh, belief that they will as Christians, of course. But that's how it should be. And I think we should think about that in light of the Lord's return. The bride made preparations, readiness to spend the rest of her life, not just the wedding day, but the rest of her life with this man. She made, of course, all the things for the wedding day, but she also made other things. She made mental, she started to make mental adjustments and emotional and physical adjustments. She's actually going to move. She's going to most likely change her name, her last name. And all these things are going through her mind. When we, when we become Christians, there should be some pretty major changes too. We should make changes. We should have some mental, some emotional and maybe even some physical changes because we have now been betrothed to Christ. We know him. We are very expectantly waiting for him. We have given him our heart. We are no longer our own. There's, you know, betrothal was like marriage. If you were unfaithful, there would be a divorce. And so really... With Christ, there shouldn't be any other. He should be the love of our life. This is what God is trying to illustrate with marriage. Paul said when he became a Christian, talking about some, some mental and maybe emotional changes, he said the world was crucified to me. And he said my heart was crucified toward the world. That was a change. They said of him, they said of Paul, this man, he now preaches the Christ that he once sought to destroy. Yes, Paul said that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. By mystery here, we can understand a natural Thing by some, let me start over. By mystery here, we may understand a natural thing by which some spiritual matter is signified. So here, the creation of Adam and Eve were intended in the design of God to point out the union of Christ and the church, the most important union that can be conceived, Christ and the church. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. <clears throat> well, my first point here is heaven, a place prepared for a prepared people. 
I already read that verse there in John where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And you can turn in your Bibles to Revelation 21, and uh, we'll read more of that there. I don't think there was much fear in a young bride's heart. Uh, concerning the unexpected moment that her groom would come, she she stayed ready, as we'll see later there with the uh, with the parable of the virgins. But here in Revelation twenty one, verse two, and I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Holy city, New Jerusalem here is a type of the bride coming to her husband, coming to God. And this city was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, may we, may we have that mindset. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 14 Back one chapter. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Have a right to enter in into the city and a right to the tree of life there. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. We're doing that this morning. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, come, Lord. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life Freely. The point that I wanted here is in, is in verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. We know there are rules that a bride needs to abide by to be ready for her groom. She can't dilly-dally the time away. She's got to be on her toes and do things and be ready for her groom. And Jesus is making a comparison here. And we live in a day when Christianity is, is, is truth has is fallen in the streets and 
You can be a Christian and get by with almost anything nowadays. But not so according to this word. Christ the groom is coming back for a people that have made themselves ready, that are obeying his commandments. And, and that, it says here, will give us the right to the tree of life. That will give us right to the tree of life. The beloved John, the apostle John, He said these words with this same thought in mind. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We've been betrothed. We are the sons of God. Yes, we are. We are waiting expectantly for the groom to come and catch us all away. We are the sons of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. There's more. There's more to look forward to. Amen. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The thought of it, seeing Jesus as he is in his glory, hearing the trumpet, seeing him come with a cloud. There he comes. We shall see him as he is. And then he says, every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Is that too high a standard nowadays? Is that legalistic? You know, to say, I won't sing that song. I won't say that word. I won't do that. I won't go there. Is that legalistic? Or is that waiting in expectation for the Lord? Because I don't want to be found with that word in my mouth. I don't want to be found with whatever defiling thing when he comes. Peter also warned us along these lines and he said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved... Seeing ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Does that mean what it really says? Brother Lee, does that mean what it really says? Is that God's standard? I have to be perfect. Well, I thought about this. None of us are perfect, of course. And, but I, I think what it must mean is that we just can't have any known sin in our lives. We've got to keep our life up to date. I mean, if we stumble and we went somewhere on our phone that we shouldn't have went, by all means, confess that thing, get it out in the light. If we said something we shouldn't have said, if we have a grudge or an unforgiveness or, a, or whatever, we can't harbor that thing if we know it's there. If we know it's there. It's a spot. It's a blame. It's something that needs to be dealt with. 
if, 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 if there's rebellion, if there's resistance to those over you, if, there, if you see that sign and you say, nah, what does it mean? I'm going anyway. Like we heard. You know, I think that's what it means. Then those things need to be dealt with in order to be ready to go with the Lord. It says the dogs and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and the murderers and the idolaters, idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, they're on the outside. Turn with me to Matthew 25. If you would, please. We have here an illustration of the virgins waiting for their lover. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also those other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. These were all virgins. They all took lamps and they all went forth. I think they would, it would, be safe to say they were all professing Christians. Five were wise and five were foolish. And I studied these words, wise and foolish, and it has a little different meaning than what we might think of. Wise, not meaning super intelligent or mental acquirement. Not necessarily meaning like Solomon, loads and tons of knowledge wise, but Thoughtful, discreet, implying a cautious character. That wise. Thinking things through. Careful, cautious. Five were wise. Foolish, not meaning like the fool that said in his heart, there is no God, but foolish meaning dull, heedless. It doesn't matter that much. Heedless, dull. And they didn't go in. They didn't go in. A whole bunch of us here were at weddings here a couple weeks ago. We were in Indiana and a bunch of you were in Ohio. The bride 
she went in. She went with her groom. They're together today. She's there. They're there. But imagine, imagine for some reason, if it wouldn't have worked out, and she would have had to went home with her family. Imagine the wailing, the confusion, the disappointment. That's what will happen here in the end. Jesus is coming back for a bride that has prepared herself. And so this morning, take heed, have a cautious character. Let us be thoughtful and discreet, not dull, not heedless to the warnings that come from others that maybe have went the way before or whatever other sign, road sign that might be in your way. Okay, I have one other point. And it has to do with what happens when we go with the Lord. What are we going to do in heaven? What can we expect on the other side of the door? Well, I have seven points here, and I'm only going to give you one because that's the way the Lord led, I guess, this morning. I'm only going to give you one more, and we'll be done. Turn with me back to Revelation chapter 7, and we'll see one of the things that we will be doing in heaven. Revelation 7, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What shall we do in heaven? Well, one of the things that this list gives here is we will be led to living fountains of waters. I want us to meditate on that for a little bit here. This isn't only an artesian well that keeps bubbling, but the water is life-giving. And I know we can't probably wrap our minds around it and much less me try and explain it. But, but it just imagine in your mind being led with the Lord over to this well 
gushing up with living water. And I have a couple uh, paragraphs that I copied off here that of men that have attempted to maybe explain a little bit what this could be like. F.B. Meyer says, The blessedness of heaven consists in the unveiled presence of God. Let me interrupt here. There is a proverb that says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. So part of what makes heaven so beautiful is the fact that we, we don't know what, what's all going to be there. That's part of the glory of God. But once you get there, once you go in through the door, you will begin, we will begin to experience all that is there. The blessedness of heaven consists in the unveiled presence of God. Oh, so that is what it's like. In unbroken service and in safety because God will spread his tabernacle over us. This exquisite Description of the future life consists largely in negatives because the positive defies human speech. So he tries to explain what heaven is like by telling us what won't be there. No scorching heat. No trials, no fear, no want. That won't be there because the positive is too hard for us to to try and explain. It says, because the Lamb will conduct our eternal progress deeper and deeper into heaven. On and on, those wells will come bubbling up with new things. And that's, I think, how it should be in marriage. If, if, we, if we do it right, you can explore... You, our spouses, especially to the men, their wives are given to us to be our helpmeet. So two are better than one. Things should get better. We can explore. We can gain by our, by our spouses. And as we grow together and walk together and blend together and, and serve together and strive together, in a small way, it gets deeper and deeper. But here in heaven... These wells will well up the eternal progress deeper and deeper into heaven. Adam Clark gives this description. He says, by these perpetual fountains, we are to understand endless sources of comfort and happiness, which Jesus Christ will open out of his own infinite plentitude to all glorified souls. These eternal living fountains will make an infinite variety in the enjoyments of the blessed. There will be no sameness and consequently no disgust with the perpetual enjoyments of the same things. Every moment will open a new source of pleasure, instruction and improvement. They shall make an eternal progress progression into the fullness of God for all eternity will go deeper and deeper and deeper with God. 
I hope there's no one here that will miss that. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to be left outside the door for a piddly little whatever that you think is important. Worldly pleasure, self-pity, whatever it is. Carelessness, those that cause, those things that cause those foolish virgins to miss it. Brothers and sisters, may the thought of it this morning comfort you. And if it doesn't, go after it till it does. Till the thought of seeing the Lord brings a joy and, a, and, a, and, a, and an anticipation in your heart. Go after it. Press in till you can say, yes, I am looking forward to hear the trumpet sound. Because the alternative is not a good one. Not a good one. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I had five or six other points here, but I think I'm going to let it with that. Maybe I'll close by uh, reading there in Ephesians again. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Brother Darrell, all the efforts all in your testimony up here this morning... It's all a display, a type of shadow of the great wedding. And thank you for putting that in to make your marriage a good example and uh, for your children and for the church. And may that be said of all of us here today that our marriages are a type, can be a type of what is to come. May the Lord bless.